Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. Are you doing well today? Are you filled with faith today? Are you ready to get into the Word? We're doing part three in a series called Movement. And uh, we felt the Holy Spirit put this Word on our hearts, believing and hungering for a great move of the Holy Spirit, but not just to see a move, that we would see movement in the church. That every anointing, every calling, every word God gives you needs a corresponding action. James talks a lot about this, about that it's not just faith, but it's faith with works. It needs a response, that there's a move that is, has a corresponding movement that we hear from Him and we respond to Him so that we can see all of the promises. Come on, who's waiting on a promise from God? God in the tears too, who's waiting on a promise from God? It comes from a word from God and a move from us. That happens in partnership. It's Him, but we come into partnership. And we're gonna look at the same passage of Scripture and you might like, we've heard this, Josh, but it's actually as you go deeper and deeper, you get greater revelation, uh, you get greater understanding. I, I pray as we've been reading in Joshua chapter one, you've been reading Joshua chapter one at home and, and seeing what the Holy Spirit's saying to you through this, because this is not just a word for Sunday, this is a word for the church and that means you and me each and every day, amen. And we get to Joshua one and they're on the edge of their promise, but they're not yet in their promised land. They're not where they were. They're not where they want to be. Their difficulty and dryness and that season seems behind them, yet they're not living in the full fruit of what's ahead. There's giants and difficulties. It seems like there's no way through. And Jesus turns up and speaks to Joshua and He says, Be bold and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And we've really stayed a lot on, on Joshua 1 verse 9. It's almost like the linchpin for this series. And it says, the third time Jesus says this, be bold and courageous. He actually says, this is a command. Be strong and courageous, be bold and courageous. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. One talks about the future. We're gonna talk about that today. One talks about the past. We taught on that last week and you can listen to those messages. If you've missed a week, it's fine. Please, please listen back to those messages. He says, I will be with you wherever you go. He's talking to Joshua, who is the leader of all of God's people. He is the one that is to lead them into their promised land. And he has to come and remind Joshua that Joshua isn't the answer because Joshua's gotten stuck. Joshua's reverted back to his old ways and his old thinking. And to understand this, it's important that you know Joshua wasn't his real name. Like as you look through Scripture, we see people have a name change. We see Saul becomes Paul and Simon becomes Peter and Abram becomes Abraham. But Joshua wasn't his name. We see in the book of Numbers, as it talks about those spies that went into the land, Joshua's original name was Hoshea, Hoshea. And that word Hoshea means salvation. It's good, it's good. Hoshea means salvation. But the problem is, if Joshua stays with this name, he will feel that he is salvation. That he is the one that has to come up with the plan. He has to come up with the answers. He has to come up with the way through. That he is Hoshea, he is salvation. So Jesus, uh, Moses, 
through the inspiration of God, changes his name to Yeshua or Joshua, Yoshea, Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. It's close. One means salvation, but the other recognises Jehovah or Jesus is salvation. That Joshua doesn't have to have the plan. Jesus is the plan. That Joshua doesn't have to save himself. Jesus saves him. Joshua doesn't have to have the answers. That Jehovah is the answer. He goes from Hosea to Yeshua to Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. But now he's stuck. He's actually discouraged. He's a little bit overwhelmed. He's a little bit despondent. And he's probably gone back to his Hosea way of thinking. That suddenly when you come up to difficulty, there's sickness, there's a loss of a job, there's no way through, there's frustration, there's discouragement, there's fear. We go back to our old thinking and suddenly he has to come up with the answer. He has to find his way through. And the people of God seem there to be stuck. And and Jesus turns up and and He makes this really important point I wanna show you right at the beginning as we keep going to Joshua 1. He makes this real clear point. Joshua, I just heard my mum speak to me there. It's It's like, Joshua, it's not all about you. Someone needs to hear that today. It's not all about you. Some of us have a hero complex. Some of us are trying to save ourselves and save our family and work it all out ourselves. And I think the Lord would say to you today, hey, well, but it's, but it's not all about you. I changed your name because it's not all about you, but you need to know the people are depending on you. The family is depending on you, but you can't be depending on you. You have to be dependent on someone that's so much bigger than you. So Joshua, be strong and courageous. So we now get to this point where he doesn't say just once be strong and courageous, but he actually says in Joshua 1, four times. How many times? Four times. He says, be strong and courageous or be strong and very courageous. And I found this with my kids that, that I'll say, hey, boys, get out of bed. Hey, get off the PlayStation. Hey, I want you to go outside and do some exercise. And I say it once. And then I say it a second time. And if I have to say it a third time, I'm pretty annoyed right now. But if Dad has to say it a fourth time, there's an obedience issue that's going on. And I feel like Jesus is coming to Joshua And now, because he's stuck and he's in his own mind, there actually is now this line where if he doesn't move, it's an obedience issue. Maybe, just maybe church in love, God hasn't let us move away from this one passage because so many of us have been stuck for so long. It's gone from life's made me stuck to I've made me stuck to I don't wanna be stuck that if you don't begin to move, it's becoming an obedience issue to the Holy Spirit. Because Joshua had fear. And fear will make you stuck, but fear is no excuse for disobedience. So Jesus says to Joshua again and again, be strong and courageous. And I wanna show you this because we make it all about us and we think if we're stuck, we're stuck, it only affects me. But I wanna show you in all four of these be bold and courageous, it affects a different group or a different situation. Let me, let me show you this because 
because we think our issues are only our issues. So the first time he says, be strong and courageous, and we'll put it up there. It's actually about Joshua. See, how many times in the corresponding verses around uh, be strong and courageous, it's all about him. And you might be here today and you're going, Josh, for weeks you've been telling us to move. Everyone say move. That we need to have movement, but I don't know where to move. Now, I can't tell you, the Holy Spirit will show you, but maybe it's not just in one area. Maybe it's in a number. So for you, maybe it's just time, Sean said today, it's spring. Maybe it's just time to move. Maybe it's time to literally get outside and move. Maybe it's time if God's been showing you for long enough, you need to start that business. Maybe it's time to move into that relationship. Maybe you need to change the conversation you have in your mind and on your lips about yourself. Maybe you need to move past that offense and hurt and you need to forgive. Maybe you need to take your step of faith. Maybe you need to form a new habit or change something that's been stuck for a long time. So the first, be strong and courageous, that's for Joshua, that's him personally. But it goes from him personally to the second time the Lord says, be strong and courageous. We'll put it up, it's for him spiritually. This next time, it changes from being about you to being about the Word of God and about meditating on His law, His instructions and His promises. So it's not just about you personally. When God wants you to move, He wants you to move spiritually. So you might be wondering where that is. Maybe it's time to start fasting and you've put that off and you've been stuck, but maybe He wants you to move and grow spiritually. Maybe it's just time to wake up a bit earlier and regularly start praying. Maybe you've read the Word, but it's time to start not just reading the Word, but memorising a Scripture until it comes alive in your spirit. You just gotta move. Maybe it's time just to read the Word and it's time to move spiritually. Maybe it's time to join a connect group. Maybe there's a step of obedience. Maybe there's been prophetic words over your life and you need to get them out and you need to start reading them out loud over your life again. But God, it's not just about you personally, God wants you to move spiritually. And you need to go to Him and ask what it is. Now that might be enough, but it's actually not just about you personally or about you spiritually. God wants Joshua to move for his family and his people. Put it up. The third time, He says, be strong and courageous. This is the verse we landed on. Verse nine, now it's not about him personally or about him spiritually. It's about getting all of the people and all of the tribes to move forward. Where you've gotten stuck in your mind, in your emotions, in your relationships, in your spirit, it's not just affecting you, it's affecting your family. And we tell ourselves it only affects me personally. No, it also affects you spiritually and it also affects your people. It affects your home and it affects your church. So He can't let you get stuck there. He might be saying, what does that mean? Let the Holy Spirit show you. But maybe a couple of weeks ago, we had the most amazing prayer meeting. Who was here? I mean, heaven turned up and so did half the church. We're gonna have one in a week and a half again. Uh, question is, will you be here? Uh, maybe for your family, it's just a decision I am gonna be in church every week between now and the end of a new year, the new year because I'm making a decision for my home. Maybe it's that you need to start doing devotions with your family or praying with your spouse or reading the Word with your kids. Maybe it's that it's time to start serving other people in a dream team. Maybe it's marriage retreat. And if you missed it and now you're stuck because it's full, it, 
you're waiting for the next year, no, just book a room, book a caravan park. Be the person that makes the decision. I'm not waiting a year. I'm going to do something. I'm going to be the one that sends that encouraging, loving text or card. I'm the one that's going to buy the. You just choose. I'm not staying stuck here. Maybe it's time you start speaking life over your family and over your home and over your church again. Because you think this is about you personally. It's actually about you spiritually. But it's more than just you spiritually. It's about your church and your family. Amen. So he wants you to move. Now he gets to the fourth time. And he thinks you think it's just you personally, just you spiritually, just about your family. He says it's about taking back ground from the enemy. See, there are areas in our life and our world that you were meant to have authority and dominion over, but the enemy has had authority and dominion over for far too long. So you notice the fourth time, it's everything about his enemies being put to death. Be strong. Everyone say, be strong and courageous. For you personally, you spiritually, your family. And now there are areas in your family's health that you should have dominion over because of the finished work of Jesus. It's time to get your authority back. If He's Jehovah Jireh and there's areas in your finances that the enemy's had a grip on generation after generation, you think it's okay, it only affects me. No, it affects your children's children. It's time to break the curse in Jesus' Name. Can I tell you when it comes to politics, Proper uh, 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 good governance was found first through Christians. The education system started with Christians. Hospitals started with Christians. And there's areas that we are meant to have authority and speak into, but the enemy's taken a hold of and we've suddenly let it go. No, it's time to get your authority back. And it doesn't just affect you and it doesn't just affect your spirit and it doesn't just affect your family. It affects your children's children. So you can't stay stuck here. You've got to move. And you might be like, what is it? Maybe it's just time to take authority over the app Atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere of your home again. A couple of weeks ago, about 1.30 in the morning, I felt the Holy Spirit wake me up. And I, you know when you wanna sleep and He wakes you up and you're just like, something's not right. I gotta pray. So I decided to pray from my bed. He's like, no, get out of your bed. And I'm like, you know what? You're everywhere, Lord. Let's pray right here. And I, I like, for 20 minutes, I got up at 1.50. It took me 20 minutes. And at 1.50, I then just got up and went, let's do this. And I just walked room to room to room and took authority over my house. I don't know what goes on sometimes, but you just gotta rise up and take the spiritual authority in your house till three in the morning, I just prayed. And some of us just allowed things to be in our home for far too long. It's time to take authority back over your house because you think it just affects you, not affects your children, but it affects your children's children. I mean, what goes in our eyes and what goes in our ears, you gotta take authority over. I mean, maybe it's time to start changing, uh, getting scriptures up around your house because you're gonna read and declare the Word of God whatever you go. Maybe there's things that's had a hold over you for far too long and it's time you had authority over it. Maybe it's time for accountability over those struggles and things that have held you back. This is not just about you personally. This is about you spiritually. It's about your church and your family and it's about taking back what Jesus died and rose again so you could have authority over, amen? So he says, to do that, you need to be bold and courageous. And he requires obedience. It's not just a nice spiritual encouragement. He's actually saying it four times because Josh hasn't moved yet. And Jesus understands if they stay there, they die there. 
And if he stays there, the people die there. If they stay there, their family dies there. So he says, you need to be bold, strong and courageous. You need to move. And he says, do not be afraid. Do not have fear. Now, watch this. Fear has an origin. And I want to tell you, fear does not come from God. You need to hear this today. Because fear is one area we often don't talk about or are not willing to admit we have fear. And fear is something that comes after every single one of us. And fear is something that often ends up having a hold in some area of life over all of us. But fear does not come from God. Second Timothy, we'll put it on the screen, says, For he is not give, God has not given us a spirit, say it with me, a spirit of fear. Fear is not just an emotion. Fear is not just a thought. Fear is a spirit which comes in opposition to the Holy Spirit, whose fruit includes peace and love and patience and kindness. So the enemy comes with a spirit of fear, but God never gave you that spirit of fear, but He gave you, say it with me, power. Say it again. Power and love and a sound mind. Of the things we rarely grow past, we rarely grow past our fears. I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got a genuine fear of people touching my eye. I hate it. I've got a fear of me touching my eye. I, I, I tried contacts for two weeks and I, and I had to stop because I couldn't get them in my eye. And then I lost one right to the back of my eye. And I, I mean, the closest I've ever been to a panic attack was right there in that moment. I'll tell you where it stems from. In kindy, there was this nugget of a kid and he, he, in, the, in, the, in the playground, he literally pinned me down in the sandpit held me down, held my eye open and poured a handful of sand into my eyes. And I can't give you his name, but it means nugget. And uh, that night, I remember my dad taking me to hospital about, I don't know what time it was, late at night, felt like late. And I remember in, they had to try and get the stuff out and all. And I remember like three nurses and my dad pinning me down as I was going wild because they had to put a tablet on my eye to dissolve it to get rid of the stuff. It's like, you know, I'm 30, I'm 30, I wish. I'm 42 now. Just look 30. You're welcome. And, uh, and, and, and I'm 42 now and, and still to this day, I can't bear the thought. I've tried. I've started in the bathroom going toughen up Greenwood. But I can't, I freak out. Can't do it because it, it sticks with you. I remember as a kid, uh, we, we, you know, we, we did what Christians did and, 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 you know, we invited people into the home that were broken and messed up and had been stuck in cycles of addiction and witchcraft. And I remember I was about four years old, there was one lady that was in our house and mum and dad were just caring for her and trying to bring her to Jesus. And, but she had like, you know, demonic, we don't talk about this stuff much, but like, you know, there was demonic stuff going on in her life. As a four-year-old, I remember walking into the room as she was fully manifesting and with the age of different people. And I'm not going to go into that today, but I mean, I mean, it wasn't pretty. We had people come in. Pastor Greg was one of them. Phil Ward, Tim Hole, they came and prayed over her. She you know, got set free, prayed over her house because there was stuff going on. But for the next few years, I would wake up every single night with the most horrid, demonic nightmares. I would literally, I would literally wake up 
and feel like my whole body was being pressed against the bed and I would be paralyzed. And I remember in these dreams wanting to scream out, but nothing would come because I felt as a child paralyzed by fear. Fear doesn't just affect you, your emotions. Fear makes you stuck. Fear makes you so scared of moving forward. And then, and, then, and then other fears get in that seem like a little bit ridiculous, but they grab us. Like, you know, there's phobias. Like, I don't know if anyone's, is anyone, is anyone get claustrophobic and you're worried about closed spaces? You're fearful of high places, you know, even if it's safe, you just feel the high places. Like, there's a whole number of phobias. Like, I looked at them this week. There's nomophobia, which is a fear of losing or not being able to find your mobile phone. It's, and they seriously reckon this affects 50% of Westerners, which means if you're in the house and suddenly you're like, where's my phone? <laughs> That's you. <laughs> if you're here right now and your phone's in your bag, but suddenly you're like, oh, I've got to reach for my phone. Uh, but the devil is a liar. Uh, there's, a, there's a blutophobia. A blutophobia is a phobia of people that are scared to have a shower or a bath. I think this affects all nine-year-old boys. Uh, <laughs> Geordie would not shower for months. He's like the kid of the, like the Jungle Book, Mowgli. He's got the long hair, never wears a shirt, and it would just be filthy if he could. There's, uh, there's omoph- I can't even say it, homophobia. This one is a fear of belly buttons. I'm just doing a back brain break after the nightmare talk, right? So this is like, the, but, and I reckon this is fair if you've got lint, right? That, just clear that thing out. And uh, uh, there, there's, there, this is a real fear, right? This is how crazy fear gets. There's luposlipophobia which is a fear of being pursued by timber wolves around a kitchen table while wearing socks on a newly waxed floor. That's a real phobia. And can I say, to whoever that happened, that sucks, that's awful. And no wonder someone heard about it and freaked out. But if that's you, it, it, we live in Australia, it's not happening. There's phobophobia, which is also a, a, a phobia of phobias. It's crazy. But let's go real for a moment. What's yours? I'm not asking. But are you worried if you try again and you fail again? You're just more of a failure? Are you worried that if you step out, you'll, you'll be alone? Are you so worried that your time's over that you convince yourself that your time's over and it's impossible to move forward? Are you, are you worried and fearful of rejection? Are you fearful that you won't get healed or they won't get healed? Are you... Fearful that you'll be embarrassed. Are you fearful that he hasn't blessed you with the same and therefore you're, you're from the very beginning destined to never make it? I don't know what it is that grips every person here, but I know fear tries to grip every single one of us. But I wanna to say to you today, fear is a liar. Amen? Come on, fear is a liar, amen? Fear never created you. Fear never had a plan for you. Fear never labelled you. Fear never loved you. And therefore, it should have no authority over you. Amen? And Joshua had fear. It was real. He'd not been where he had to go. There were giants in the promised land. He now had a responsibility and the eyes of all of his family and people were on him. There was obstacles that were in the way. But when Jesus comes to Joshua and says, be bold and courageous, do not fear. He never said, don't feel fear. He said, don't be afraid. He never said, don't feel discouragement. 
He said, don't be discouraged. You see, there is a difference from feeling fear and giving into your fear. You see, your fear will come to intimidate you and then it will come to label you. And once it's labelled you, it can try and control you. Just because you feel fear doesn't mean you have to live with fear. And just because you feel discouragement doesn't mean you need to be discouraged. Even though you feel afraid doesn't mean you have to be afraid, amen? See, fear makes you stuck. Fear makes you shut down. Fear makes you timid. Fear makes you wanna run. Fear makes you wanna lie. Fear makes you wanna hide. Fear makes you wanna blame everyone else. And fear makes you wanna put your guard up so you could never get hurt again. But it has no authority over you unless you let it have authority over you. I am convinced that the enemy knew there was a future in my life for the kingdom of God and that terrified the enemy and the enemy was so afraid of what God would do through me he tried to make me so afraid so I would never do something for God but let me tell you greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world that the enemy is under our foot that we are seated far above any principality or power that I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor principalities, nor any other created thing has authority over my life. So it's not that the enemy can stop you, he restricts you. It's only if we allow him to have an authority that he actually does not have. I felt afraid, but I could not live afraid. You may feel discouraged, but don't be discouraged. Don't let it be your identity. Don't let it let you stay here for you personally, for you spiritually, for your family and for your children's children. Don't stay here. If you stay here, you die here. If you live with those lies, if you remain in this place, if you don't move forward, it doesn't only affect you, it affects those around you. Amen? So the way through, of course, is faith. It's faith. Now you've got to understand where fear lives, Fear exists and lives in the mind and the emotions. That's where it exists. In your mind, in your thoughts, and in your emotions, your feelings. So do we think through circumstantially, logically, practically things and then have fear? Yes. And do we then in our emotions, in trauma and difficulty and sickness and loss and uncertainty, feel fear? Yes, because it lives in the mind and the emotions. But where does faith live? Faith lives in the Spirit. So what we are doing is making a decision while they both exist, do I live in the flesh or do I live in the Spirit? Now you've got to understand when it comes to faith, God doesn't give someone more faith than the other. Now the enemy wants you to think that and he wants you to think you of course are the person that got less faith so therefore you're stuck. But that's not true. He wants God to look unjust. Because how could a just God who judges our faith, looks at our faith, our faith pleases Him, and He rewards our faith, give me a greater measure of faith than you, and therefore be more pleased with me because He gave me an advantage? It's not how it works. It's that He gives all of us a measure of faith, and it's your responsibility through the Word of God, hearing the Word and activating that, that you would step out your faith, and as you step out your faith and move with your faith, your faith grows. Does that make sense? 
So when my parents came in or when I would run into their room, when I was gripped by fear, they wouldn't just say, it's okay, it's in your mind. They never just said, it's all right, it's just your emotions, go back to bed. They prayed with me, but never just prayed with me, they prayed Scripture over me. They then taught me Scripture as a young child, which gave me an authority and a weapon because faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of God, the Word of God that is alive and active, sharper like a two-edged sword uh, that, that pierces between soul and between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit, between my mind and my emotions and my spirit, the Word of God cuts and gives me authority that I picked up the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith, which is found through the Word of God. And my increase in faith that positions me here today is not because He gave me more faith, it's because I had at a young age to activate my faith because I was gripped with fear. You see, faith comes from the Word of God and then a responsibility that you have to move on it. Does that make sense? That's what James says. So Joshua now has a word from Jesus Himself. Joshua, I'll be with you wherever you go. He says, I will give you every place you set your foot. He's telling Joshua, be bold, strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. He says it four times because now he has the Word of God. It becomes an obedience issue. You either stay here or you activate your faith over your fear and you move forward. Amen. So Hebrews 11 is where the heroes of faith are. Moses and Enoch and Abram and Rahab and all of them. It doesn't say they were rewarded for their character, their IQ, their emotional stability, their family. But Hebrews 11 verse two says, and it was a good report onto them. It's like God looked at them and gave a report, not based on what your teachers gave you a report on, your academics, your IQ, your emotional stability, your behaviour. I mean, Rahab was a prostitute and Abraham messed it up. And, and you go through Moses who murdered someone, yet somehow there was a good report given unto them because they lived by faith. But all of them in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 never just stayed in faith or knew the Word of God in faith, but all of them had to move in faith. That's how we're saved. Uh, Romans chapter 10, we are saved by faith. We are blessed by faith. We have hope by faith. But I wanna show you this today. Faith doesn't mean you won't have fear because that's where we struggle. And then we have fear and we think that means I don't have faith. It's not true. So I'm encouraged by this book of faith champions. When we get to Hebrews chapter 11, verse seven, it says this, it says, by Come on, activate it with me, right? Activate your gifts. By Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly, prepared an ark for the saving of his, not just him, household. Watch this. Noah had fear. Of course he had fear. He had to build something he'd never seen built before. There is the potential end of the world coming. No one was with him except his family. 
No one believed him. He was ridiculed. He was alone. And he was venturing to a place he had personally never gone before. Yet somehow he moved forward with both faith and fear. He didn't stay where he was. And he never just overcame his fear. He moved forward with both of them. And here comes the decision that every one of us have to make, which is an obedience question. Do I live by my emotions and my intellect, which leads me to the realm of fear? Or do I live in my spirit, which leads me to the place of faith? Because there are a battling, there are two of us in all of us. There is a battle going on on the inside of us. There is a logical and emotional side of me. And there is a faith side of me. And I have to choose, is my name Hoshea or is my name Joshua? I have to make a decision. Will I live by my own mind and emotions? Or will I live by the Spirit of God that's on the inside of me that says, Jesus is the one that makes the way. You see, when sometimes we're waiting, what happens is we're waiting for faith to take out the fear. But I actually don't think that's how it happens most of the time. We're waiting for faith and I'll move when suddenly fear disappears. No, we have to be willing to move with faith while feeling fear. It's that I move with faith while feeling despondent. I move with faith while I've lost my courage. I move with faith even though I don't know the way through. You see, Noah's reverence for God's plan, God's will and God's promise was greater than his fear of anything else. And it comes down to, do we believe the Word of God more than we believe the Word of others and ourselves? And which one is going to either leave me where I am or move me forward? Because if he stays there, he dies there. Keys can come. I mean, look at David. Don't tell me a young boy racing against the giant lost all fear. No, he had faith. And he had fear, but if he stays there, they die there. Not just him, his family, his people, and the next generation. So faith just led him, even though filled with fear, to run towards the giant. Tell me Daniel, who's thrown into a lion's den, doesn't have any fear of those lions. Of course he does. He has emotions, he has intellect, but in him was an understanding that I don't save me, he saves me, Jehovah saves me. So he led with, if he stays there, he dies there. So he just led with faith over fear. I mean, there's a genocide coming against all of Esther's people. And she knows if she goes to the king uncalled for, she dies. But if she doesn't do anything, they all die. Did she have faith? Yes. Did she have fear? Yes. But if she stays there, she dies there. So she decides either way, I'm moving forward because I might feel fear, but He is faithful. Let me tell you, they didn't just have faith, they moved with their fear. Emotional logical, circumstantial fear, but their faith in themselves to save themselves was not greater than their faith in the one that saved them. They don't just save them, Jehovah saves them. You don't save you, Jesus saves you. You don't save your family, Jesus saves your family. You don't take out the enemy, Jesus takes out the enemy. But on His Word, He requires you to move. So Joshua has diverted, reverted back to Hosea. And he's now on the edge of his promise. And now he's overwhelmed, stuck, dis- disappointed, discouraged, 
because he has to save and leave it, lead everyone. And Jesus turns up and says, you don't have to save everyone. You don't have to have a plan. You don't have to find a way. You don't save yourself. You don't save your people. And you don't take out your enemies. I am Yeshua. I am Jehovah. I am Jesus. And He comes to say, I am the one who saves you. I have the plan. I am the answer. I am the way when there is no way. I save you, Joshua. I save your people and I take out your enemies, but you have to move. You just have to hear His Word and decide that my spirit leads my flesh and I'm gonna move. You have to hear His Word and then you have to move. And Jesus says, I will give you every place you set your foot. I will be with you wherever you go. I will step, stop the Jordan when you step in. I will bring down the walls of Jericho when you walk around them. I speak, you move and He saves you. He speaks. You hear in faith even feeling fear, even feeling discouraged, even feeling uncertain. What is the definition of courage? It's moving when you feel fear. It's not courage when you have no fear, that's ease. To be bold and courageous is Him saying, move despite your fear. Move despite your uncertainty. Move despite your discouragement. He says, move now. Everyone say now. He's saying, Joshua, if you stay here, you die here. So move now. If you're gonna move, Joshua, you move now. Say, church, if you're gonna move, move now. If you're gonna pray, don't wait, pray now. If you're gonna serve, don't wait, serve now. If you're gonna give, give now. If you're going to move into that new season, now's the time. If you're gonna witness, witness now. If you're gonna move in faith, move in faith now. Can I tell you, knees shaking, a little uncertain. Fear is what you feel. Discouragement is what you feel. But what you know is that you don't live by sight, you live by faith. We live by faith and not by sight. We live by who lives in us, because greater is He that lives in me than he that's in the world. So either way, however I feel, I'm moving forward. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. 
He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.